Okay, you should put it closer to me. I'm going to be doing all the talking. <laughs> Welcome to All the Talking Podcast. The third episode is with educator and bass player Ed Schuller. You know, before I moved to, to New York as a teenager, I knew some musicians, you know, some names, some people I didn't know. I met them in New York. Eddie is definitely one of those people that I really admire. Like since I was a, like, you know, a teenager and like the fact that I got to know him, it's been like a, a honor, a, like a privilege to be able even to play together. So I can't believe it. I'm here once again with Ed Schuller. Um, and one more thing I gotta say, um, I think I heard some great stories from a lot of people, but Ed's got the best stories. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I'm really glad I had a chance to, to you know, to hang out. Well, thank you, people. Federico, for your kind words. Beautiful, you know, great. To, it's a privilege working with you as well, like. My man Federico, fantastic how, how do we musician, meet? and uh, you know I think we met through that trumpet player Demian. Okay. I think, but it was around. That was all very close how we met. I there. think you're right. I think we play a show on Fourth uh, Avenue. Uh, this little join they used to we used to do like I a regular thing. Yeah, with, with uh, Daniel Carter. With Daniel Carter, right? Damian Richardson on trumpet. Right. And, and you playing bass and I was playing drums. Right. That must have been... Uh, I think it was videotaped. You're some friends of Demian's. It's kind of crazy dudes. <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty wild. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I think so. I, 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 don't, I think that's about it. What year was that? 2007? Oh, God, you're going to ask me that. Uh, yeah, it was like in the... It was in the 21st century, I'll tell you that. It's... <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I mean, something like that, 2007, yeah. Somewhere in my vast archives, it's written down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got photos for, from, from that night. Oh yeah, there was, it was all documented and everything, man. You know. How do you get to know Daniel? Uh, that's that's kind of weird. Actually, well, yeah, because uh, this is about a girl. I don't know if we can go into this whole story, but there was this girl, Julie, that I had a roommate here, a uh, bass player, uh, Carlos De Rosa, and uh, he, um, and and he, 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 you know, actually this girl sort of kind of moved in, kind of. She was, she became Carlos's girlfriend, and, uh, and and then that kind of got weird, and then ne next thing I know, but she became friends of mine and and Nicole's, and we were in contact all the time, and you know hanging out and doing stuff. And then she hooked up with this guy Demian, who had been in prison, and uh, somehow they knew each other from way back, and they hooked up again. And then that that was a so that's how I met Demian. He uh, was in prison one. for six years, you know. I know. And uh, you know, and then he was on parole, and all. it was horrible. Uh, and uh, you know, he wanted to get back into music, so you know, we, I, you know, basically, I tried to help him. You know, in the beginning, I invited him some jam sessions, and he came, and and you know, that and it turns out, you know, he's 
great, you know, had what great talent, you know. And uh, we did a couple records, you know, you and me, and with for Simp, and uh, Bob Roots there, head of that scene. He seemed to like him a lot, you know. I mean, he, I couldn't get my own record on in there, but he did. Anyway, don't get me started. Uh, but it was, a, yeah, you no, know, you know, a very interesting guy. I mean, uh, I'm not sure what happened to him recently, but uh, I haven't seen him in a long time. But, but that's how I met. That's how I met you for sure. Around and all that area that was all around the same time. I remember coming here. At your house, yeah, and I remember totally remember coming here and playing jamming, and uh, and I think the very first time we played rehearsed here at your house, there was a friend of Damien on the floor filming. This. That's true. There's actually Jupiter. another. Yeah, it was crazy, and it was so crowded. There was so many cats in here, and 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 then these guys with these cameras, <laughs> you know. Yeah, right on the floor. And it was, yeah, <coughs> yeah, it was pretty out, man. <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, these guys were crazy, you know, making quote-unquote art, you know. So what have you been doing lately? Um, well, musically, I've been just uh, not, not much gigging. <clears throat> I've got a couple of sort of self-produced records. I mean, I'm working on one right now, and... Uh, I have another one that's already out, which features Matt Goldsberry, Gary Valente, Pete Davenport. Uh, Matt Goldsberry plays saxophone, Gary Valente trombone, uh, Pete Davenport on drums, and myself on bass. And that's just a quartet. It's a very interesting record because these are guys that I, uh, you know, have known since the 70s. And, you know, we'd sort of, a lot of, you know, this was the first time those two guys had played together in many, many years. And so it was kind of a, took a chance on that. They were both in town at the same time. I said, I, you know, they said, somebody said, why do you want to try to get a gig? I said, you know, forget the gig, let's record. So that's what we did. And it came out pretty good. I mean, I, you know, I wasn't sure what was going to happen, but uh, it's called You Got It. And you can get it on CD Baby and all those other platforms, I'm pretty sure. Um, but you did. You, I remember you doing just back, maybe we're just like rehearsal and stuff. But you had the, you had like uh, some spoken word. Oh, I've been happening. doing. You know, I've been rapping. It's uh, it's something I do. I guess call it a hobby. I guess. But I've rapped. I started rapping in you know late eighties. I, I I remember the first time I did it at a club in Germany, and I never did. I had to read it. You know, I'd I'd written this thing in the bathtub. <laughs> this it's my girlfriend's house there. <laughs> it's really out. We were crazy dudes, and and I went out there and I did this rap, and it's on a record, man. It's on, um, it's 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 yeah, it's it, uh, it's on a Gunter Klott, is a saxophone player from Munich, fantastic guy, um, and it was uh, that was that was amazing. That was with with Ronnie Barrage on drums, and uh, and and Frank Lacey on trombone. And this guy Gunter Klott, who's an amazing player. I mean, you know, maybe no one's no one really heard of him in America, I guess. <coughs> but if really great, he sort of sounded like Archie Shep or something. So Eddie, how long have you been in this in this area, living right here? Oh well, I moved into this apartment we're in right now in 1980. <laughs> Before that, I lived in the East Village. I remember, like you know, 13th Street. City, right? 
No, 13th Street, not quite. First and Second Avenue. Okay. You know, when, if I went to Alphabet City, I had to be armed with a quart of uh, a Valentine ale and act like I was crazy. I remember you. Or I'd get mugged. <laughs> I remember you. Or you get, you know, you just don't go there in those days. And my next door neighbor was shot in front of me. Anyway, a lot of things happened there. But, uh, you know, and then I lived, I lived in Jersey for a while. I mean, I'm actually lived, my parents moved to Boston when I was 10, so. So I've been all. I lived in. We lived, Our whole family lived in Berlin in the '60s. So, how I lived long for? Uh, just one year. My father had a Ford Foundation grant to write an opera, Gunther Schuller. Uh, he wrote the opera Visitation, and um, we, we, you know, I was just a kid. I think I was nine years old or something. And your and brother, how old? He, well, he was four years younger than me, so he barely remembers it. But it was quite. You know, it was the Cold War with the wall and everything, and all the occupations and the armies and. The MIG fighters at the, at Ma, you know, doing the sonic boom just to rattle everyone's nerves and weird time, you know. I remember this stuff. But, uh, anyway, yeah, so I lived a lot of different places. So yeah. New York changed so much. It's the nature of the city. It's always been changing. What, I mean, before, you know, you were dealing with like, like Lower East Side madness being dangerous yeah, right, and stuff. Yeah, right, right, exactly. And, uh, but there the, 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 the was pros and cons, being, you know, dangerous, but also, you know, right. creatively more open, more interesting, Absolutely. more exciting. Absolutely. Well, how has it changed now? I mean, like, you, <coughs> you, what, would you rather swap safety for, for creativity? I mean, uh, these days you think it's better or worse? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I, um, it's a complicated thing. You know, every, everyone, we say we have a love-hate relationship. Uh, recently, I think, you know, I think the city has gotten to a, it's it's changed so much. It's become like this, you know, every it's like everybody wants to develop, make all this new stuff. Um, and, you know, it, I don't know why we can't have, but why, why do we have to have crime? And why does crime and creativity go together? I don't know. But uh, there was a different time. It was a lot looser, and you could do... It was people were willing to do all kinds of stuff. People don't have time to do to think about anything anymore. Everything's rush, rush, rush. And plus, <coughs> there's a you know, <coughs> I don't care what they say. There's a population explosion in this city. I mean, it's just like it got bad already. Years when I was doing gigs, I mean, this was like going to war. You know, going getting to a gig in Midtown is like. You got to plan it out. You, it's got a you got a whole strategy, timing, you know. I mean, and now you know. So it's like, for a, like say a three hour gig, you're you end up spending six hours. You know, you have to work out the parking maybe because you know if you get there early, you can get a parking space, but you got to stay in the car for a certain amount of time. I mean, things like that. And, uh, you know, taking the subway with the base and the amp is really not an option for me. And they made it harder and harder for driving a car. I mean, I really need a car. Now I'm, I, you know, I really need a car. What happened to your car? <coughs> no, I have a car. But, but you need same, a car to get to, I know, to, but get to a gig. The same car as before? No, no, no. I, I got was, rid of the, was, the pony. Was, yeah, that was, was a classic. I had to, that was fantastic. when the uh, radio broke, that was it. No, <laughs> no, it's a sad story. I was sorry to get rid of that beautiful car, but uh, you know, I had to upgrade. I got a Honda Fit for your information. It's pretty good, actually. It's great, but uh, yeah, you know, it's and the whole scene has changed. You know, you know, we when I was coming, you know, they didn't have all these schools. You know, every every year, thousands of graduates 
think they're going to be jazz musicians in New York City. And of course, some of them are truly great and talented. But even if they are, most of them, you know, you can't, there's not enough places to play. And, you know, there's no money for anything anymore. You have to pretty much promote your own thing. Uh, you know, I used to get paid for gigs. I remember these days, we jazz gig. You know, they, I'd say a guy would say, "Okay, I'll give you five hundred dollars." I could hire Dewey Redman and Victor Jones or something. You know, you get, I don't have that anymore. I don't know. Maybe some. Maybe I'm in the wrong. I don't know. I haven't really pursued it anymore because it's it's too much stress and too discouraging. And of course, nowadays you have to you have to promote everything yourself. You know, and I I've never been good at that. So I'm just a you know, I didn't know it would come out like this. I always thought if you hung in there, you know, you'd be, you know, it'd be working out okay. Uh, but I didn't foresee this whole digital world. And I think. So basically, like, these days, everything is complicated. Yeah, you know, but... trying to get a rehearsal. Mm-hmm. My last band, interestingly enough, they had this band, the Evidence Band, um, <coughs> with Jerome Harris and Bill McHenry, Nicole, my wife and so I tried to make a band where everyone lives within a mile of my house because I tried to do things with you know anyone even lives uptown I mean it's so hard you know to make a schedule for everyone where everyone can get together and rehearse and you can't I can't play my music unless it's rehearsed this isn't something you can just go to a gig so you know all that stuff is and then you know people they need money and it's yeah it's just getting harder and harder to do anything I'm sure there's people who are completely got it down and you know but you know if you get to a certain point you know you I don't know man I I just you know I love music and I love doing a lot of things and like writing and <clears throat> but I'm I'm kind of tired of the whole gig scene to tell you the truth so if somebody wanted to really hire me, you know, I'm willing to do it, but, you know. What's the difference? I mean, like, you're saying that now it's so complicated. Just keep, give, I mean, I remember, I moved to New York 20 years ago, but what about, like, in the 80s? What was the main, I mean, everything was easier in a way because what was, like, rent was, wasn't so high. Rent people was, was, wasn't, people, man, my, it wasn't I, the kind I, of pressure I for $380 a month in my place on 13th Street. <laughs> Not much more for this place when I moved here. Yeah, and, you know, you, I mean, it was crazy, you, you, but you could, <coughs> you know, the, I don't know, uh, my first, I really messed up on parking, I got, re- I got a few cars, uh, you know, towed away for unpaid parking tickets and stuff, so, uh, you know, it was rough, it was hard times, but something about it, the grit, I don't know, the people I met, it was like people, and people weren't like all involved with their social media. You know, you could people talk to each other. You called on a phone. We didn't before we even had phone machines. You didn't answer the phone. That was it. People talk to each other. Uh, I miss that. You know? I mean, talking on the phone, but also getting together physically. I mean, people yeah, would yeah. go no, hang out really, in places. No, it's right? really hard. Like Everybody's clubs. got these schedules, and when they, especially when they got families. And you know, I don't blame them. You know. But the world got much more complicated. That's all I'm saying. Now, because of security, I mean, you used to be able to get on an airplane. You just get right on the airplane. Now, what do you got to do? You got to go through all this stuff. And, you know, I mean, look, I, I, I know our world has completely changed. In 1975, we weren't thinking about terrorists and stuff. We might have been thinking about, uh, you know, the nuclear holocaust or something. But... But, you know, even that was, so, you know, just, you know, it was, you had to worry about getting mugged or something or 
robbed or if you're a woman raped or, you know, but, but there was a lot of crime, that's for sure. And there was a lot of weird shit, but, but, um, but people were hanging out together. People I mean, were the hanging. Thing. There was, be you know, there was all kinds of, you know, those days, I mean, you know, uh, everyone from Wall Street down to the Bowery was doing cocaine and partying and there was after hours places. I mean, if you wanted to have fun, that was the time. Now it's all like people are in there flossing their teeth and, you know, seeing, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, it just, but I don't miss the crime. I mean, nobody likes that violence and but i think it's worse now because i think the world is people are going mad see in those days you got mugged <coughs> you got robbed you know these are things that have reasons people are desperate they need stuff no people now they just come up behind an old guy and hit him in the head or push him or you know just or throw eggs at people you know there's no reason for it you know people do things you know they they just punch people out that they don't even know. And just, uh, you know, that's crazy. That's crazy stuff. He, you know, and there's a lot of crazy, you know, and there's not, mental health is really, you know, there. look at the world. Look at what's going on. There's demonstrations everywhere. There's, there's we have an insane person as a president, um, the complete, you know, sociopath. Uh, we have all this strife all over the world you know we, most of it we don't even hear about it's just getting worse and worse all, all these totalitarian governments are springing up again in the 90s i had hope i thought the world was getting better i thought we're going in the right direction i don't i don't feel that anymore i feel really i feel much anxiety and i feel we are definitely the human race is in in, in you know I, I don't want to blame it on even one thing well there's so many things wrong with what the human race is doing now that so this is this is all this affects the music too so how oh, absolutely how yeah. how, how uh, music was music different but back in like 30 years ago 40 years ago i think so i mean first of all you, you know one of the things I always talk about is, um, you know, the ability, you know, in New York in those days, you know, you could go to places and hang out with your, with the superstars of music, you know, you know, you go to Bradley's and Freddie Hubbard would be there, George Coleman or, um, Kirk Lightsey, Joanne Brackeen, you know, Victor Lewis, you know, and plus, and you could be a young guy and meet these guys. Meet the, you know, in other words, there was a mixing. Nowadays, nobody, there's nothing like that anymore. You know, you, you, this, <coughs> you, you know, there's no, uh, you know, I used to go like, you know, after my gigs, I used to stop in at Bradley's and hang out with all kinds of cats and, you know, have, a, and then after that closed, we go to another place and after I was playing. You know, but you learn so much being with these people. There's no place like that. That's not school. That's better school. These now it's all about schools. These God got all these guys come out of school, and of course the music, a lot of it is incredibly you know uh, impressive and complex and you know incredible. You need incredible skill to play this music, and everybody's trying to outdo everybody else on how skillful. I mean, you know, to me, I'm I'm back to the blues. You know, I just like. Simple is as simple does, you know. So, so things have changed, you know. And um, do you think is have you met re recently anybody that like reminded you even remotely of us as 
as a personality, as a character of those, you know, old, old New York characters like Jim Pepper or something like that? <laughs> well, not really. I mean, not a, not, I mean, there's still guys alive that I would put in that category. You know, somebody like Matt Maneri or um, that, but no, well, first of all, if you're going to, there's nobody ever going to be like Jim Pepper or Paul Motion. That's a, those are unique, you know, incredible people that, you know, you, you, you can't even attempt to copy them. You, I know, I'm not saying copy, but so, someone <coughs> that is God that would, would have yeah, that kind of I know impact what you mean. I'm you, trying. Right? Is it in this, in this society that <coughs> well, you describe I mean, you know, with all these problems? Like you I think put, it's possible? I, I don't know. I, all I can think of is older people like Daniel Carter would fit into that category. I, I don't have young guys. I mean, I'm sure there are, you know, I mean, there's some amazing young lions, uh, I guess, that I don't know if they use that term anymore. But, um, you know, uh, let me see. Esperanza, that base, that woman, lady bass player, she's Esperanza Spalding. Uh, I, I admire her work. Um, whether, I don't know, man. You know, like, there's not really, you know, the times are different. Look, like, people. You know, Jim Pepper was was one of the craziest people I ever met, but I loved him, and he, and he played amazing when he played. I mean, he he's like no one t could touch him, man, as far as his tone and his whole, you know, it was something unique and yet amazing, you know, like it moved you, you know. I'm looking, you know, if you're asking me about people's music that actually moves me, you know, really, I mean, in the jazz world, of course, I'm not up on everything, I don't, you know, not that much does it for me, you know. It's always something a little older that I that still has that flavor. I don't know. Do you think I'm, it's possible? I mean, in this climate, is it is it possible at all for someone like, you know, like the names you mentioned, Jim Pepper, Daniel Carter, someone like that to be in New York today, be 20 years old and operate? Oh, I'm sure there is. And, we, you know, and you don't just become somebody like that. You know, that's the thing. I mean, that's if you're asking me if they're young people, young people, <coughs> you know, very young people. None of us, when we were 20, you know, you know, you really don't, you haven't developed your thing yet. I don't know. Some people are incredibly talented and are really already, you know, making it. They're, they're you know, successful. I mean, there's no doubt about it. There's wonder kids all over the place. But um, to, to be fully developed, to like, you know, to have your own sound and your own feeling and your own, you know, you're developing who you are when you're 20, you know. How, you, if you could go back in time and, and talk to Eschul at 20 years old, <laughs> what would you, what kind of advice would you give him? <laughs> oh boy, I'd have a lot of advice. <laughs> Don't do these things you're going to do. <laughs> no, I've, yeah, I don't know, man. What were you like? What were you like? Were like uh, well, I was, you know, I was, I, I don't know. I was, uh, I was obsessed <coughs> with being a musician. I, I started playing bass when I was 15. And, and by the time I was 20, I'd already moved to New York. I mean, New Jersey, actually, first. And I was already, you know, I'd been playing gigs already. And, I, you know, my whole thing was to, 
but what happened become before? as good as possible. I know because I mean, like your dad and yeah, and right. The family. Well, I had a. But what know. happened before fifteen? When did you actually start? Oh well, it? that's a you know because I was totally. If you'd asked me when I was ten if I'd be a musician, I would have thought laughed at your face. I would have said no way. The last thing I, you know, you you don't want to be what your parents are. You know, usually I I don't know. That seems to be a pattern. You know, you as you get older as a kid, you want to rebel. You want to do something different. And I was I was totally into science and stuff, you know. That's what I would do: astronauts, space, mm. uh, oceanography, mm. you know, all that kind of stuff. Okay, and you know, all kinds of things. What happened? So, uh, and art. I got into art and architecture, and I mean, I don't know. I was into all kinds of things, and I still am. I love all that stuff. <laughs> but um, well, you know, I, I wrote a story about this. This is a story, but. Uh, Basically, uh, what happened, man, is uh, when I was in, I went to what they what they used to call uh, uh, junior high school. They call it middle school, I believe now. But uh, you know, seventh grade, I was this total nerd little kid, you know, like little, and I was get you know castled, you know, kid bullied and stuff. And I was, uh, but I was, you know, I was really into science, like I said, and everything. But in eighth grade, I started having these hormones acting up, you know, if you know what I mean. And I started noticing, you know, back in those days, man, these girls are looking good, you know, and little, little skirts on, and, you know, everybody like, oh, man. And so, you know, I was like, but no, you know, I, I was too shy. You know, I was way too shy to even approach anything like that. But I knew so I had to do something. And I noticed there were these guys walking around who had guitars and stuff, and they seemed to be having girls around them all the time. And I said, yeah, man, that's the ticket. So I went and got me a guitar. I really did. I had a nylon string guitar. I think I bought, I don't know. I bought it in a store. I can barely remember. I, I came to school with the guitar, you know, and I walked around with it. What happened? And Well, it seemed to work. I, girl, oh, do you play guitar? Oh, yeah. And then uh, at, some t at some point, somebody said, um, hey, let's go out on the lawn. Let, why don't you play something for us? And it dawned on me. You can't just walk around with a guitar. You have to know how to play something. <laughs> now, it's true. I used to do a lot of stupid stuff like that. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, so I, I I, said, oh, well, yeah, I can't do it today. But uh, no, I really, I went home and I, I started shedding. And I, I, <coughs> I, I kind of, you know, I, I, I kind of knew something about music already. But, you know, I, I just kind of learned how to play this most you know i started with that basic blues thing and e or so something. no formal education like your, well your I, eventually did get, did I, I, I i did take some guitar lessons and stuff but uh yeah, but, you're good, but i i was i was days, i could already play something after about a week I, I you know so and i started getting into you know and i you know i was there was there were kids you know rock and roll was the thing we called it acid rock you know Led Zeppelin ten years after, so we, I started learning stuff like From that. There. Yeah, and before that, no music education. I mean, your dad never I got played you a, hooked I, up with like some clarinet classes. No, or I did. I, I I I I had uh, just started playing clarinet too. I played clarinet. I knew there was a clarinet. But uh, and actually, but uh, you know, I really, really wasn't into it. Then I got into it later, and that's when I started. You know, learning pretty good. I started taking off Sonny Ron, so but that's later when I really got into jazz. You know, 
So, but you know, about age fourteen, I was already I played my first gig, a rockin' with a rock and roll garage band. And that t- that thing took so much time. I was the only one who I could. I taught. I turned out I was pretty talented. I didn't know that then, but I was able to take off all these songs and teach the band how to play. No one, you know, there was no reading music or anything. So you wouldn't. You at the time you couldn't read music. I no, mean, well, we so didn't you, read music, and nobody I know, read. I know, but you know, you the being the son of Gunther Schuller. No, yeah. no. I well, anyway, not in this context. That there was no reading of music. Anyway, we're doing, you know, Green Onions and songs like. I mean, look, so. And some Jimi Hendrix, and and the other guitar player actually, he he actually looked like Jimi Hendrix, wore a bandana, black guy, and he played like he was actually pretty good. He could play like that wah wah thing and everything. So anyway, we played our first gig in a coffee house, and uh, I was fourteen years old, and um, and you know this is the first time ever playing anything in public on an instrument, and uh, there were two kind of I don't know if they call them gangs, but there were two groups of dudes and they started arguing about whether the band was good or not and that argument they you know one band would say these guys are pisser pisser means good you know in boston you know <laughs> and the other guys said they suck and then they started fighting and then the fight broke out into the street and it got serious and after a while the police came and they were bashing in heads. So I'm playing this my first gig, and guys are coming down with bloody heads and stuff. You know, it was in a basement. You know, there was all this mayhem outside. And uh, I, mean, I don't know, man. I, I was pretty scared. I don't know how, what... I can't sort of lost memory of what actually happened. But I remember I made $12.50. On your very first gig? Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, but I should have known then what a trouble I was in. Music. This is my first gig. Violence. (laughs) (laughs) Police come. That was my first gig. Yeah, so anyway, that was what happened there. What you just heard was the first part of the conversation with Ed Schuller. The second part will be published in the next few weeks. Stay tuned and thanks for listening.